Hello, hola, hola de Mexico City, which is, I guess, the perfect example of just how bad my Spanish is. I should have said hola de la ciudad de Mexico, but no, that is, now you've got it up front, up front, close and personal, just how bad my Spanish is. There'll be half of a word in Spanish and the other half in English, or half of a sentence in English and the other half in Spanish. This is what goes on constantly, and this is why I can call my podcast proudly My Mexican Mistakes, because I moved here only speaking telenovela Spanish, which would come in perfectly if I was pregnant, hated someone, or was in love with someone. I'd have that down. Or if somebody showed up in my doorway and I wanted to know what they were doing here. Because there is no other phrase you will hear as often in a telenovela as aquí? What are you doing here? Um, but beyond that, on a day-to-day basis, it, my Spanish could not be worse. If it's possible that it's getting worse while I'm here, then that's what's happening too. In any event, I moved here on June 1st, uh, having never been to Mexico before, not speaking the language, except for what I knew from telenovelas, not understanding the metric system, which is very important here when you are at the deli counter. Believe me, I have made purchases at the deli counter that constituted enough cheese to feed an army, Um, or I have made purchases at the deli counter where I did not get enough ham for one sandwich. I am looking for the happy medium, and I have yet to find it for myself here, um, even though I absolutely love it. But not knowing the language that well, not knowing the metric system, still being super confused about the money, um, where now just relying on the kindness of strangers, when I go to purchase something, I hold some money out and I wait to see what happens. Will they take it and give me change? Will they ask for more? Both of those things happened yesterday, by the way. Um, so that's what's happening here. I have, like I said, I've been here since June 1st. Um, and today is November 1st, so I have been in Mexico City for five months. The time has flown by because it's just so wonderful here. The city is so beautiful and elegant. Um, the people could not be kinder. I don't think in Chicago I would just hold out some money and hope that it all worked out in the end. Um, but in Mexico City, And I presume all over Mexico, you can do that. Um, the people here are so lovely and wonderful. The food is great. It's one celebration after another. This is, I believe, my 15th episode of this podcast. And uh, if you're listening, I hope you like it. And uh, I hope it leads you to come to Mexico City um, because it's a great place to visit and live here. Um, and I think I've said um a lot in this podcast so far. And I'm not sure why that is, because I've had a lot of coffee, maybe too much. Uh, demasiado, that means too much in Spanish. I do have that word down. Um, and so I like to brag about like the one word I know. It is um, a great place. 
my 15th episode of my podcast, My Mexican Mistakes. It's on Apple, Spotify, Anchor. And of course, if you're listening, it's like preaching to the choir. So why am I even telling you? But I'd ask you to tell your friends and family. And if you like it, and even if you don't, uh, please go to Apple and give it five stars. If you're from Chicago, you'll understand this. It's the equivalent of voting early and voting often. Even if you don't like it, give me five stars. I have no idea why I want five stars, except it's probably just my ego, because I don't sell any advertising time on here, because, of course, who would buy it? Um, But uh, even if there was somebody, I don't disturb anybody with commercials. It's just a lot of nonsense about my adventures here in Mexico City. So what I want to tell you is this. Today is November 1st, the Day of the Dead, which theoretically is two days. I shouldn't say theoretically, it's actually two days. Theoretically, it started last night, even though last night was Halloween, and the two events have nothing to do with each other. I'm going to get a little bit more into the Day of the Dead uh, in in a few minutes. But the first thing I want to tell you about is I had my first official visitor last week or two weeks ago, my friend Maria from Chicago. Now, I have met with people here from Chicago, but they didn't come to visit me. They were people who were here, and then we met up. And it was great, and uh, I've had a few friends do that that have been passing through, and uh, we meet up and have a wonderful time, and they love Mexico City too. Some have been here before, some have never been here before. But Maria is the first person that actually came to visit me. And the reason she came to visit me, because I'll tell you what, when I said I was moving to Mexico City, uh, Maria was like, well, let me know when you're like living in a beach town, which is coming soon, because I am moving in January, to a beach town, which I'll tell you more about in another episode. But Maria was like, let me know when you're at a beach town and I'll come. Like, didn't really have much of a desire to come to Mexico City. But she's been a fan, a loyal fan of the podcast. And this is the part that I just love. There are things I have discussed on my podcast that made her want to come to Mexico City. It wasn't the Zocalo it wasn't uh, all the monuments, wasn't the art museums, not the Frida Kahlo house, uh, not any of the things you would think that you'd read about in a tour book and be like, oh, I would love to go to Coyoacan to see the Frida Kahlo house, the blue house, La Casa Azul, the blue house, um, or, you know, the Zocalo or the uh, Angel of Independence. Uh, no, Maria wanted to come to Mexico City, finally, based upon the insane things I have described in this podcast. For example, uh, what goes on at a bakery, the gigantic curbs, uh, the death-defying intersections. All these various things I discussed led Maria to book a trip here. She was here for about five days, We had a great time. And while she did see some of the monuments and important things here, she was less interested in those things than she was in uh, the sort of odd things 
that go on here. Now, they're not odd to the people that live here. They're odd to us just because they're different from the way things are in Chicago. And I can only measure this city against Chicago because even though I have traveled to other cities, I've only ever lived in one city before this, and that was Chicago. So Maria booked a hotel pretty close to where I'm staying in San Angel instead of a hotel like in Centro or Condesa or the more sort of tourist-type neighborhoods. She booked her hotel near mine, and it's a great hotel. So if anybody is coming that wants to stay near San Angel or not too far from Coyoacan, um, message me. And, uh, well, I could just tell you the name of the hotel. It's like not some state secret. It's the Stara Angel Inn. Um, and it's a great hotel, great price, super white. Um, like everything was white and shiny and gleaming and clean gigantic windows, a beautiful suite. So uh, even though I did not intend this podcast to become a plug for the Star of San Angel, San Angel Inn, I would be doing a disservice if I didn't tell people just how great that hotel was and at a wonderful price. Um, very safe uh, doorman and uh, just beautiful. I mean, it was. it really struck me how clean and just white the walls and the floors and the furniture. It was like living in somebody else's beautiful sort of modern yet Art Deco apartment. Okay, enough with the hotel. So Maria booked her trip. She stayed at that hotel. Uh, she had a very uneventful flight, happily, happy to say. Got to the hotel and then we were off to the races. And by the races, Maria wanted to see the things that I had talked about in this podcast. So we had to go to a bakery. I believe I took her into three different bakeries, but I know at least two to show her the setup because she wanted to see what it was like in a bakery here. And every bakery is the same. It could be a tiny bakery. It could be a big bakery. It could be a bakery in a grocery store. It could be a standalone bakery. Um, Every bakery has the same exact setup, which is you walk in, you get a gigantic tray, which like if you're just getting a cupcake or a cookie, it seems sort of ridiculous, although it might be a good marketing ploy because I might go in for a cookie, but then I'll be like, well, I have to put something else on this gigantic tray. This cookie looks ridiculous. And then I buy a coffee cake. Um, it, it's, it actually makes you feel like you're not buying that much because the tray's so big. There are no small trays. There are only big trays. And then these gigantic tongs, and you help yourself to whatever you want. You pile it up on the tray. You take it over to a counter, and they package it all up for you, and they have a very unique way of wrapping the pastries you don't get a pastry box. It's not like you're walking out of there with a box, even if you buy a cake. It's like they wrap the cake in this, I don't know, wrapping, but it's not plastic because it doesn't really stick to the cake, but somehow it protects the cake from the elements. Then they wrap it in paper, then they tie it in a string. It's very elaborate and very safe for the cake. Um, anyway, so I showed Maria, look, you get your tray, you get your tongs, 
pick out whatever you want, take it up to the counter, they wrap it, they give you a ticket, you pay for it, you go back to the other counter and pick up your stuff. Uh, and so she was very happy she saw that. I, you know, I might have a bit of a reputation for exaggerating, so it might have been the case that Maria wanted to see, could these things all be true? And they were, I am happy to report. Um, she wanted to see the grocery store with the miles and miles and miles of aisles of milk that is not refrigerated, but with about 30 different choices and eggs that are not refrigerated because there is some magic in Mexico. Well, there's lots of magic in Mexico, but one of those magical things uh, are the, the dairy products that do not need to be refrigerated. There's nothing worse than when a dairy product goes bad. I think we can all agree, no matter where you are in the globe, no matter what political party you belong to, we can all agree that there's nothing worse than when dairy products go bad. But yet, here in Mexico, they have developed some magical formula by which eggs and milk do not have to be refrigerated. I have had the milk multiple times. I have had eggs multiple times. I'm fine. So, and everybody obviously is eating these eggs and drinking this milk. Now, you can buy milk that is refrigerated, um, fresh milk, uh, they call it, but it, it's, it's just the same as the milk that is in the boxes on the shelf. I, I buy the refrigerated milk when I can because I'm just used to that. But believe me, there's plenty of times I've gone to that refrigerator case, which is tiny. You know how like in the States, the refrigerator case goes on for miles? No, not here. Here, the refrigerator case is tiny and it has a little bit of milk in it. Um, but there's like soy milk and almond milk and, you know, uh, lactose-free and, and all those various kinds of milk. And so what they don't always have in the fresh section is the whole uh, milk. So it's no, not a big deal. I go and buy the regular milk in the boxes. But Maria really wanted to see that, and I showed it to her, and there it was. Another thing she wanted to see were the gigantic curbs. I've discussed gigantic curbs in this podcast before, that you sometimes there are curbs that have stairs that lead up to the curb. That's how high those curbs are. There, when there are handicap cuts, uh, they are not always handicap cuts. But when there are, there's usually a sign that says "sponsored by Coca-Cola," which I still can't figure out. Um, and not all handicap cuts are sponsored by Coca-Cola, but quite a few of them are. Maybe it's the cost of doing business here. I don't know. But I showed Maria the curbs that you actually have to walk upstairs to get to the curb. Um, and then it's a long way down, which is why you have to pay attention when you walk in Mexico City, because the sidewalks have trees growing out of them. And there is some residual damage from the earthquakes. But you also have the tree roots growing out of the sidewalk, which makes the sidewalks go up and then go down. So you got to pay attention. And Maria saw all of that. 
and the death-defying intersections, where every intersection is like a geometry problem. There are several angles from which those cars are coming. You have no idea. You have no idea which light is yours. I've come to appreciate the danger of crossing the street. Like, it's sort of fun. Like, I think it's like Russian roulette, but with traffic signals. Like, you know, Russian roulette. I mean, I've never played it. I would never recommend anyone playing it. But the idea is, is there a bullet in the chamber? Um, When I put this gun to my head. No, don't do it. I'm not advocating it. But what I'm saying is this. When you cross the streets here in Mexico City, there is that element slightly because when you see a light that appears to be facing you and appears to be green, you might think, oh, now is the time I can safely cross the street. Not so fast. But you're taking your life into your hands whichever way you go. So because a bus could come around the corner and hit you, which is why you always need to carry identification in Mexico City. Um, because you never know when that bus is coming around the corner for you. So there is a certain thrill element to crossing the street that at first um, I was, you know, very reluctant and I made all right turns, but then I realized I wasn't getting anywhere. Then I was following people. And I still, I have to admit, even yesterday, there was like an elderly woman with a cane And I thought, first I thought, well, if she's brave enough to cross the street, then I'm going to go right behind her. Um, And I did. And at one point she turned and smiled at me like I think she knew what I was thinking. Like, if it's good enough for her, it'll be good enough for me. And not only did she get across one street, but she started making a break to cross the other street. And I was terrified for her, but she did it. Um, So sometimes you just, you can't wait for your opportunity. You have to seize your opportunity. And nowhere is that more, um, that philosophy more needed than when you are walking across the street in Mexico City. I would never attempt to drive here. Maria did see the insanity of what goes on when you try to drive here. And by insanity, I mean It's every man for himself and God against all. People just, there's, there may be a sign that says merging, but merging is just, I'm going in and they better stay away from me. And yet, with all of the crazy driving and the very aggressive driving, because you have to be aggressive driving, just like you have to be aggressive crossing the street. Maria actually pointed out, we not only never saw one car accident, I haven't seen one car accident in the five months I've been here, but we haven't even seen any cars that are banged up that look like they've been in accidents. So I think the way people drive in Mexico City makes them much better drivers. Um, Because, you know, I used to see like one accident a day on my way to work in Chicago um, as I drove down the boulevard through the park. Um, So... There is a method to the madness here. And I think that maybe in a city of 27 million people, um, there has to be a method to the madness. Maria's favorite thing out of everything she saw, everything she wanted to see, um, based upon the podcast, were the tacos pastor. 
We ended up at Tizoncito, El Tizoncito twice. El Tizoncito is a kind of well-known tacos pastor place in Condesa. I don't know that it's the best. It's the best I've had, but that's like when you're in Chicago saying, oh, Gene and Jude's is the best hot dog, but other people like Super Dogs and other people like other places. Um, Fat Johnny's on Western Avenue, I've always heard a lot about, but I have no desire to go because there is no better hot dog in Chicago than Gene and Jude's. And to those of you who would disagree with me, I would just say you're wrong. But in any event, so it's sort of like that with the Tacos Pastor here. Like, I think Tizanzito is very good, but what do I know? I'm from Chicago. Um, the people who live here have different opinions about where the best Tacos Pastor are. But I'll put it this way. I haven't had a bad Taco Pastor since I've been here, and I've had plenty. Maria loved the Tacos Pastor and has made it her mission to try to find Tacos Pastor is good in Chicago. I don't think she will. Um, but there's always hope. I think Maria should go into the Tacos Pastor business because she would bring a lot of passion to it. And she's seen the setup. You need the spit. You need the pineapple on the top. You, you need to get, I guess, a version of the marinade that they marinade the pork in. I don't know. I don't have to worry about how to make it because I live here in Mexico City. Or as we say in Spanish, vivo aquí, um, which means I live here. I'm always so happy when I can throw out a little bit of Spanish. Okay, so the trip was, I think, successful. Maria had a great time. And I am. if more people want to come to Mexico City based upon the insanity of my podcast, I am going to go into the tour business and do like a My Mexican Mistakes tour and show people all of these things that apparently are a big hit. Now, I want to move quickly to the Day of the Dead. Today is the Day of the Dead in Mexico City and everywhere else. But uh, it's technically two days. Today is the Day of the Innocents. Tomorrow is the Day of everybody else, I guess. Um and if you want to know the, like the, the, real, the real insight into the Day of the Dead, I can't describe it better than the movie Coco, which is a wonderful movie if you haven't seen it. And it really explains the Day of the Dead, which is it's not scary. It's not Halloween. It's a day to remember and celebrate uh, the people that you loved, that you lost, and a way to honor them. And just in case they're around for a visit, put out some of their favorite things. Um, and it's I am not doing the holiday justice. But if you see the movie Coco, I think you will uh, get, a, well, I know you'll get a much better picture of it, but it is the day when the dead are supposed to come and visit us, which is why people celebrate this day at cemeteries. They celebrate it all over. And the um, small memorials or altars that are set up for the Day of the Dead, are called ofrendas. And all over Mexico, you will see the most beautiful ofrendas, even in the shopping malls. I mean, everybody does it. Even where I get my manicures, she has a small ofrenda set up. And so I've been traveling around this week, buying the things that I need to make an ofrenda, because I thought I would try 
to make one. And it's um, there are certain things you have to have on the ofrenda that are like required. And then what you add to it are the things that your loved ones uh, that are gone um, really liked to entice them to come for a visit or so when they come for a visit, their favorite things are there. Um, one of the things that you have to have are like sugar skulls or fancy decorated skulls. Um, and so I have several skulls on mine and uh, candles and marigold flowers and incense and fruit and water because people are super hungry and thirsty after that trip from the underworld. I don't have this on my uh, ofrenda, but uh, I have read that you should have a mirror and a small wash basin and a little towel. So the your relatives and friends who made the trip, the long, super long trip from the underworld, um, can you know wash up, refresh themselves, and take a look uh, at themselves in the mirror. I know this might all sound strange, but it's to, if you think of it as the Day of the Dead being the opportunity for your dead relatives to come back for a visit, what would they like? What would make them comfortable? The things that you have to have are the things, I guess, to get them here. Incense, marigolds, oh, the bread of the dead, known as pan de muerto. Now, this is what I want to say about the bread of the dead. I've had plenty of it, first of all, since I've been here. Because, you know, for Independence Day, which was last month, or September 16th, the way... Independence Day is celebrated is with this delicious dish called chiles and nogada, which I ate plenty of during that chiles and nogada season, where it's like, oh, I might not get chiles and nogada again for a long time. Gotta load up. And they're delicious, so it's a total pleasure. But you move from that right into the bread of the dead, pan de muerto. And it is, if you can imagine, like a soft roll, a soft kind of a sweet roll, but it's bready, and then, but the bread is kind of sweet. And then the bread is coated in sugar, and then there's a little bit more dough at the top that look like little bones or a skull. More like bones, I think, like crossed bones, just decorating the top. And those are delicious because they're very crunchy and sweet because they're small and they're just sitting on top. So everywhere you go, and I mean everywhere, like if I went into a gas station right now, I guarantee you there would be like a little setup with pan de muerto and probably an ofrenda. And they can be very simple. They can be ornate. I was at the Frida Kahlo Museum again to see the ofrenda because that's a very famous one. Every year an artist creates an ofrenda, and it's a beautiful, um, it's, it's like magic. I, I can't, I wish I could do it justice describing it, but if you go to my Facebook page, I have pictures and a video of it. Uh, it's remarkable. I have seen very simple ones, um, as long as they have the necessary elements of the marigolds, the flowers, um, the incense, uh, candles, fruit, water, pandemuerto. Uh, they don't have to be fancy. 
but some of them are just the most beautiful artistic creations, which leads me to mine. But I just want to finish about the pan de muerto, the bread of the dead. So, you know, it's like a sweet roll. You can go to some bakeries and the sweet rolls are totally not worth the calories, or you can go to some bakeries and the sweet rolls are fantastic. That's kind of how bread of the dead is. I have had good pan de muerto and pan de muerto that just wasn't so good, um, kind of dry or, you know, whatever, not sweet enough. Um, but you want to get a good one to put on the altar because, look, or not the altar, but the ofrenda. If you traveled all the way from the underworld and you were super hungry and then the pan de muerto and the ofrenda wasn't very good, it, it would not, things would not go well. Why would you make this long trip from the underworld for a less than stellar pan de muerto? But I do want to say this. Um, my parents, who I miss very, very much, um, and who I put a pan de muerto for on the altar, if my mother was alive, I could just hear her saying, you're getting sugar all over the place with this bread. Like, there's sugar everywhere. And then I would be the next one, muerto, possibly. Um, because they literally, when you're eating one, like the sugar goes everywhere. Like those Greek powder sugar cookies that we used to call, or still do call, the cocaine cookies. Because they're loaded with powdered sugar, which always goes up your nose when you eat them. Um, and then you almost choke. It's kind of like that, but with sugar. You don't almost choke on it, but the sugar goes everywhere. And so they're great, but I don't think it is the thing I would even want to eat all year because I would be, well, first I'd gain like a thousand pounds, but second of all, I'd be cleaning up sugar for the rest of my life. So I'm happy to have them for the season. I'm with it. I'm with the program. I eat them. They're on my ofrenda, but man, I wish there was, and maybe if I was from here, I would know of a way to eat them and not get sugar everywhere. And believe me, I put like scatowel under them and everything. But anyway, that's beside the point. So I wanted to make an ofrenda of my own. So I took the photos that I had on my phone of us, my relatives including my parents, aunts, cousins, grandparents. Uh, and I took them to a photo shop where they printed them up on photographic paper. I bought the uh, paper that is multicolored that you see everywhere. Um, the little, I can't remember what it's called. It has a name in Spanish, but there's orange and purple and pink and blue and red. It's everywhere You'd know it as soon as you saw it, the paper that has the cutouts in it, and it hangs over everything. Uh, that's meant to represent the wind. Uh, so I bought some of that. I bought incense. I bought the holder for the incense. I bought the candles. I bought the skulls. I bought the marigolds. I bought a couple of things that I knew my relatives would love. Well, two things. Well, three things a box of pasta, because nobody loved pasta more than my family. Um, a, I came across a, a policeman's hat that looks like a Chicago policeman's hat. It was 
part of a Halloween costume, I think, but I snatched that up um, because it has the blue and white checkered strip around the hat, which is just like the Chicago police. Um, and so I bought one of those and I bought uh, lots of chocolate and orange pop because weirdly, my parents loved orange pop, which I think is so... Ugh. Anyway, but I bought a couple of bottles for them. And uh, if you're wondering what my mistake was, here was my mistake. Of course, I love to make all these purchases of all of the things I'd need for my ofrenda because that's always the best part of any holiday, in my opinion, the purchases. But when I got back to my place, which is extremely small, I realized what I did not have was a small table or bench uh, to use as the like the ofrenda itself to build it on. Um, all I have here, because it's a small place, is a, a table. But the table is, you know, it's where I work and uh, eat and watch TV and do everything. And so it would have been really tough to have turned this table into the ofrenda. But then I realized I could actually make a three-tiered ofrenda using my luggage, which should give you an idea of how big my luggage is and how much I overpacked for this trip that I still haven't even unpacked one of those suitcases. Um, but I, my mistake was probably the easiest fix I've had since I've been here because I looked at that luggage and I realized if I decorated it, covered it with scarves, covered it with all the things I purchased for my ofrenda, covered it with the paper, uh, it would it could work. And so I am happy to report that I successfully made a three-tiered altar, ofrenda. Um and so if this doesn't bring back my relatives, I don't know what will. Because there's pasta, and there's fresh fruit, and there's chocolate, and orange pop. And really, what more could you ask for if you make that trip from the underworld? So I hope they come for a visit. Uh, I'll report back to you in two weeks if they do. Um, and I hope you come to Mexico City and especially come for the Day of the Dead because this podcast doesn't do it justice. The, the colors, the parades, the festivities, the art, the ofrendas, uh, it's probably, I, I, people say, you know, Christmas here is, is amazing. And I will be here for Christmas and I will let you know what that's like. But I can't imagine anything more beautiful, festive, magical and colorful than what goes on here for Day of the Dead. Um, and so I would really urge you to come and give it a visit. And if you want to see my ofrenda, you can go to my Facebook page. I have my regular page, which is my name, Karen Kerbis. And then I also have a, <coughs> pardon me, um, I also have a page for uh, La Gringa Novelera, which means a white girl that's obsessed with telenovelas, because that's how this whole thing started. That's how I ended up in Mexico City. 
So I have pages and videos of my own ofrenda there. And then I also have uh, some video of the ofrenda at the Frida Kahlo Museum and uh, an ofrenda here in San Angel dedicated to the actress Maria Felix, um, who was known as La Doña, um, and just a great actress and totally in charge. Um, and I don't know why I said um so many times in this podcast. Now I'm sort of obsessed with that. One last thing. In this podcast, you may hear a strange noise in the background, and you may wonder what that is. Those are the parrots that live below me because there are either three or 72 parrots living in the apartment below mine. Um, I guess it's three, but they sound like 72 sometimes. I can sort of tune them out, but people have asked me that have heard other podcasts, like, what's that weird noise? It's the parrots. The parrots speak Spanish. The parrots can say hola, and they totally freak me out sometimes as I approach my place to walk upstairs. They're like below my stairs, and then they go hola, hola. What really freaks me out is the parrots speak better Spanish than I do. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you come to Mexico City. Gracias and hasta luego.